Hey, it's Kevin Hart with my pal Catherine O'Hara. Now, I'm more of a bestie. Kind of, sort of. Right now, we're cash backing on everything we need for the holidays with Chase Freedom Unlimited. I got some ornaments and lights. Tis the season to cash back. And lots of wrapping paper. Maybe you're cash backing on a present bought for me? Uh, about that. I know. I know you're kidding. Am I? How do you cash back? Learn more at ChaseFreedom.com. Chase, make more of what's yours. Restrictions and limitations apply. Cards are issued by JPMorgan Chase Bank and a member FDIC. Welcome into this edition of Road Trippin' with RJ and Channing. I'm your host, Allie Clifton, and I'm just joined by Richard, which I guess just. I, I didn't wow, wow like what the? F- <laughs> Jeez. That's um, how we're starting? That's how we're normally, starting Normally, it's, and this is a tease to our guests that's going to be joining us later in the episode. Um, normally, it's you that has all the obstacles, um, but this week it's in Channing. <laughs> Like oh, I did he said he has a tree. He said he has a tree fall like fell on his internet, like just his internet, like it was like fell on his fucking router. Like come on, like ah, the internet's down, but everything else is working. Just like okay, I'm joking. I know it's probably he lives in Oregon. Like wind blows, lots of trees, lots of trees, (laughs) lots of trees. Um, all right, Rich. There's been a lot of things, a lot of fun things that have gone on the NBA. So let's do some NBA talk before we are joined by our guest. Okay. Um, where should we start? Where do you want to start? Do you want to start East or West? You tell me that. And then I'll give you, I'll tee you up. I'll throw you some. Love. Let's go East. I've been having to talk a lot about East. West okay. lately because Lakers have been playing well. Then, uh, Lakers have been playing well. Golden State's like been going like- through their drama. I'm just saying it's like, I've had to talk about them a lot. Let's give the East some love. All right, we're going to go to the East, and we're going to start with the team that people feel like we don't give any love on this podcast, with the Miami Heat and Tyler Hero and his success. Obviously, we just had Max Struess on. Um, Tyler Hero joined Steph Curry and James Harden as the only players to hit nine plus threes um, in consecutive games, and the first in NBA history to do it consecutive nights, back-to-back nights, as if he didn't leave the arena. Um, He's now averaging over 21 a game. Um, he's the perennial sixth man of the year nominee. You know who is at the top of that list right now, or as of a few days ago, it was Russell Westbrook averaging 15, five and five, which no player has ever done coming off the bench. Um, but sticking with Tyler hero, um, uh, he obviously won the award last season, but my question to you, okay. He has started more games this year, but why has coach Spo only started hero in 25%? of his games over his career, given all that you have seen from Tyler and et cetera? Um, I think, um, I think it's just, uh, partly it's just the way you want to structure your team. I, I, I think he obviously is a capable starter. He's a starter for the majority of the teams in this league. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, um, but I think for them, I think he, I could see why you could fall in love with him in that in that role. I can see why, right? Um, especially like you know, there's either three and D guys or two guards, and it's like they've got Jimmy, they got Kyle. If you start him, that's really small at the three, right? So that's a really small. Um, so you force him off the bench; it's a perfect role. Um, and I feel like he got, he was there with Jimmy's, Jimmy's first year was his rookie year. So it was like, it was like, they didn't know how good he's going to be as a rookie. So he slid into that role, kind of like Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole is, we know Jordan Poole can start. We know how good Jordan Poole is, but like where he's probably best for the Golden State Warriors level of success 
is to only start a portion. And that can be in big games, that can be here and there, but over the course of the season, it's probably best for him to dominate with the second team, run the point guard, have the offense run through him, right? Like all of those things, like he he gets with that second team. And he's going against second unit players where he's typically better than all of them. So like that's a that adds to his success. How tough is that? Obviously, I know that you're not a coach in the NBA, but you've been in countless locker rooms. You've been around the conversations. I you've might as seen... well be a coach. Might as well <laughs> okay. be a coach. Okay. How hard is that for a coach to stick to your guns in moments like that? Because as we know, too, there's been times where you've got injuries, you've got rotations that are all over the place. But to keep a player in a position, you know, like that, like Russ has remained off the bench. No matter what happens with the Lakers, the players in and out of the lineup, Russ has stayed on the bench since the moment he went to the bench game six of the season. Yeah. But to your point, he's been a starter in this league. Well, well, he's been an MVP. So it's weird because it's like, no, but I'm saying like, I I say it to say this, like Russ transitioning to that. And part of the reason why they will keep Russ there, in my opinion, and I'm not saying this is a hundred percent, but it's like, I don't want to go the back and forth. Russ is going to be our leader off the bench. Every starters, we will rotate. And a lot of times you'll see it. Jimmy might be out. That doesn't just bump Tyler to starting lineup. Right, Jimmy can be out, and they're like, "No, Tyler, you're gonna still man the second unit. The timing's gonna be the same. You're probably gonna play more minutes, and even then, he still plays 38 minutes on a given fucking night. Like his minute ain't changing." And I just go back to like Manu Ginobili, and like Pop just eventually liked him there in that role better. He liked mm-hmm. him better there off the bench. He's still the exact same player off the bench, not off the bench. He's Manu's the same player. Pop just liked him at that time in the game. Why it, you know, it would allow for rotations to potentially play him less minutes just for what a variety of the reasons. And like Pop would like walk by Manu and crack a joke and be like, you know, you're never fucking starting again. And Manu would kind of laugh like, eh, whatever you want. Do you want me to start? Do you don't want me to start? Whatever. I don't care. Like that was their relationship and it was beautiful. But to watch a Hall of Fame player not give a shit about starting was that's the most beautiful thing to me in that space and pop to laugh about it. And he might start him. He might not, but he was just more of like, that's never going to be a role again, mm-hmm. you know? And it was like, and he played five more years after that moment. This wasn't like at the end of his career, he played like, you know, this was in 2010 pop was saying this to him. So um, the ability to accept a role and enjoy it and flourish and get success like that, that's what's beautiful about the relationship that she, it doesn't mean that Tyler doesn't want to start, doesn't want to have his own team, doesn't want to have, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying the acceptance in a role that could easily be like, I want something different. Same with Jordan Poole when he's playing fucking well. It's like he fits yeah. in. He's found a way, like, you know how hard that is to fit in to three Hall of Famers and succeed like this motherfucker's playing with Steph, Clay, Draymond with a Hall of Fame coach, and he's like figured out a way to average 19 points a game with that squad and fit in and succeed. That's what's beautiful. Not his talent. His talent, fuck. We've seen a million Jordan Pools. That's no disrespect to Jordan Poole. But where yeah. I think makes him special is not his talent. What I think makes him special is that he has mentally and emotionally found a way to fit in with some of the greatest basketball players we have ever seen. And he did that in his first couple of years and won a championship. That makes you a bad motherfucker. Not your jumper, not fucking your handle. That don't make you a bad motherfucker to me. 
Like you a bad motherfucker. You can fit in with those dudes. They accept you enough to go average 20 points a game and we win a championship with you. Oh yeah. You that dude. Level of bad motherfuckery. I love that word by the way. And I hardly use it because I don't think it's appropriate for me to say it, but I love it. Um, is Tyler hero and hitting nine plus threes in back to back games. Yes. He is bad motherfucker. Yeah. I Love mean, that's it. impressive, right? Yeah. Have you ever done no, it? No, fuck no. I didn't. Sh- I don't think I've ever <laughs> shot nine threes in a consecutive game. Shot nine threes ever. Touche, ever, let alone make. Ever. And that, you know, look, I wish, like, dude, in my prime, right? Again, it's okay. My prime, 2005, six, seven, or eight, around that time. It's like, it was just 11, before the three-point. But I'm, no, 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 I'm saying it was just before the three-point era really kind of blew up. I would love to fucking shoot nine threes a game. I would have, I would have fucking dreamed of it. That shit wasn't happening. You shot back to back threes. I remember I shot a pull up jumper one time. This is no lie. Never forget this. And it goes to the relationship I have with my brother. So big game, whatever, back and forth. And this is when I was still becoming a scorer, right? I was like, went from like, 10 points a game to 15 to 18. So I was like right there where I was kind of like almost averaging around 20, but I was still learning. So I came up, didn't, it wasn't even a heat check. It was just like, I dribbled up and fucking shot a pull up from like 12 feet kind of in transition. You know, something happens timeout and I'm standing there kind of like, yeah, whatever. And Kenyon Martin sitting down there and he just goes, Richard, I'm like, what's up? He's like, we can get a better shot than that. And I was like, you know what? You're right. We can. We definitely need a better shot than that. And that was it. But like, that was the beauty. But that was the beautifulness about like our brotherhood is that he could say directly what his thoughts were to me. And we were so in link. I'm like, yeah, that was probably a shitty shot. And I just wouldn't do it again. Right. Because it was like, we, we both respected each other and understood that like, he could just be like, Richard, that wasn't a good shot. I'm like, yeah, that wasn't a good one. Was that before or after the fight? This was after. That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> our, this was after because our level of respect didn't like, he wasn't disrespectful or this, but he could talk to me in such a direct manner of like, you're fucking up. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. Or like we had, we'd had situations too where I was like, Kenyon, you know, you was wrong for that. He was like, blah, 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 blah. blah. I'm like, Kenyon, you know, you was wrong for that. He's like, you right, but still fuck him. <laughs> That's funny. I actually think it's more so kudos to the person that's receiving the information to be able to handle it like a professional. No disrespect. Obviously, you have to be able to say it the right way. But yeah, that's a good story. Um, All right. From the Heat to the Celtics. Twitter told me that you had some outlandish shit this week. (laughs) Yeah, Um, fuck that. Yeah, I'm ready. Which my reaction reaction to you thinking that the Celtics 4-2 road trip was not a good road trip for them. My reaction is that- No, is that you're just fucking bored. No, and no, no, no. When you yes, get bored, yes, you yes, like to stay yes, off the wall shit. That, that, that too, but hold, no. on, hold on. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. We're going to start with this. I'm not road even going to talk about the road trip, just, though. Just, I just want to know wait how. Wait a second. Okay. Wait a second. Let me tell you why I said this, right? I hold, let me start with this. I hold the Boston Celtics in the highest of regards. I truly believe when I look at them and I look at the start of their season, Jason Tatum is having an MVP level season to the first quarter of the season. He's the MVP, right? That says something. So what does that trigger to me? That triggers expectations. That triggers expectations of when Dirk won his MVP and they won 67 games. When Giannis wins fucking his MVP and he's won 60 something games. When, 
Uh, I see Steph win 70 fucking three games and win an MVP. Is Jason Tatum, are the Boston Celtics going to have that type of season? I believe they can. 100% I believe they can. And the start of their season looks like that. Best offense, best defense. They got Jalen Brown is fucking looking like an all-NBA player. They got the reigning defensive player of the year. All of this shit. And you're like, you know, fucking Mm -hmm. great. Here we go. Right? So they have an opportunity to come out West and set the tone, send the fucking message like all the great championship teams prior have done. They came out there and they're like, fuck, they could have left no doubt, right? They beat, they beat the Brooklyn Nets and the Brooklyn Nets are playing well. That's a good win. Toronto, whatever. Toronto's solid team. I like it. They beat Phoenix now. And they're like, oh, look, they're 3-0 on the road trip. Phoenix is a dog shit team right now. We, we know this because they lost five in a row. So th- this might have been the time. So I'm going to not say disrespect the Phoenix Suns, but like when you look back at it right now, that this it was like around the start of the five game losing streak, Phoenix got some issues going on, right? So, okay, whatever. Okay. So now you are the best team in the league. You are showing up to go against the defending champions, the team that you're ready to get some get back to, right? Send a message, right? You lose. Get your, get your butt whipped. They don't got Wiggins. Don't tell me you don't got fucking Al Horford. Don't tell me you don't got Robert Wilb. They don't have Andrew Wiggins, the guy that was probably their second best player in the finals. So don't tell me about who you have and don't have. Then what do they do? They follow it up. They lose to the Clippers, a team that you, they, their starters might play. They might not play. They might practice. Who knows what's going on? They don't know what's going on in Clipper land. They lose to that team. Right. So now I'm like, okay, all right. Okay. I figured they would have answered the call after fucking getting embarrassed to the defending champions. And when that was supposed to be your time to send a message, like if you motherfuckers come back this way, we're going to whoop your ass in Boston. And if we see you in the finals, we're going to whoop your ass again. The message starts. That's the mentality of great championship teams. So they don't do that. Then the Lakers, the dog shit Lakers, right? Stop it. I'm just saying. Not as of late, no. As of late, the Lakers have been a lot better. Anthony Davis has been a fucking monster. I'm just referencing that only the Lakers would give them that opportunity to get back into the game and had those free throws. And I called the game in Philly and you had those free throws. You guys did so much to battle back. And I'm sitting here like, is this going to be the moment that really turns the corner? So they should have lost to the Lakers. Should have, would have, could have. Right. I looked at this from a standpoint of they could have sent a message. I'm not looking at four and two. They're good enough to go four and two. But they also, if they're locked in and playing like elite level championship back right now, it still looks like there's anybody's league. If they would have came out here, beat them, it does. I'm saying if you tell me this right now, if you say this right now, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Boston Celtics, if you were to say, Possibly the Cleveland Cavaliers. If you were to possibly say the Golden State Warriors, if you were to say the Mem- uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, who just whooped Milwaukee by 50, if you were to say any one of those teams like could win the championship, you could be like, okay. So I just feel like there's still, still a group. No one has separated themselves. Even though Boston's the best team of the group, they haven't separated themselves. Fair in that breakdown. What did you need to see from them that would have told you that they – a better a performance, successful road trip. A better performance against Golden State, right? A better performance against Golden State. And the Lakers, like, 
even a better performance against the Lakers. Like you're up by 20, you're up by 20, right? 18. And you let them take a 12 point lead right now. And if it wasn't for their mistakes, yeah, I'll give you the credit for battling back. You got to hit the shots. I'm not saying Jason Tatum's not a monster. I'm not saying Jalen Brown. I'm just saying before I start thinking that this team is an elite team, I was disappointed in that. I thought it was a terrible road trip. If they would have came through here and gone five and five and one, and only lost because they, you know, if they beat Golden State, lost to the, you know, and lost to the Clippers, beat the Lakers, I'd be like, yo, they beat Golden State. Like, that's the bet. That's the team. I want, like, the, the MVP candidacy improved. I don't think that this road trip helped Jason Tatum's candidacy. I don't think it helped. Same with same thing that would happen with, with Giannis and the 50 point loss. I don't think if you're making arguments, those are black marks. So the 2015-16 Warriors, if I am not mistaken, 2015-16 Warriors were the best team assembled, correct? That was the 73-9 and nine team. Yes. Yes. Well. Two seven-game road trips. They're the best regular earlier. season team. Yeah. Six and one on both road trips. So you're saying that if Boston went five and one on this road trip, it would have completely changed from a four and two. I, I think the only the reason why I'm saying this. Plus a win against I Golden think, State. Five, yeah. If they would have only lost one plus, because I think they're they're that good, they're that talented, and they proved that they are that talented. But those, to me, that's like a mini playoff series in your brain. Like that's all. I, I just wonder if you really believe that it was a terrible road trip. As someone who played I mean, eighteen when I, when years I, when in I, this I'm league, not, I'm not saying terrible. When I when I said when I say terrible, people like again, I, I, I allow for more context. <laughs> when I look at it, is because they didn't achieve. They didn't hit that elite mark that I know that they can hit. And they looked mediocre. They looked beatable. They looked beatable. The Boston Celtics, if anybody was watching them and they came out West, you know what I mean? West teams look at them and just like the Golden State Warriors. No undermanned? No, but- No undermanned? Did you take that into account? But undermanned, so but again, so was Andrew Wiggins. The 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 Clippers, mm-hmm. they barely play anybody, right? So like when we can talk about everybody's got some excuses floating around. But right now, if you were to ask the Clippers, what do you think about the Boston Celtics? They'd be like, uh. you ask Golden mm-hmm. State Warriors, what do you think about the Boston Celtics? What would you say? They'd be like, we can, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, they're good, but we can beat them, right? Respectfully, but I like, think the Warriors can say that because of a season ago. However, but my point is, is that, but, 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 but that point, even for the Warriors, the reason why it was a big win for the Warriors, because it let fucking the rest of the league know that that's why it was a huge We're win. Still. <laughs> We're still those guys. That's what I'm saying. So we can say the huge win for the Warriors and like, yeah, bitches, we're 500, but whoever motherfucker wants to come in here to the chase center, y'all going to get that ass whooping. So like, as long as we make it to the postseason. We, we can win one on the road. We'll win all our games. You know what I'm saying? There's a mentality there. So Golden State Warriors now looking at Boston, like, and everyone in the league was like, okay, well, once Golden State figures out their, their road shit, they're going to be the favorites again. So everyone, that that's what it did. It put Boston down a notch. If they would have came through, beat them, let's say lose to the Clippers, and then beat the Lakers like they should have up by 18 – Everyone today would be like, Jason Tatum is the MVP. It is his to lose. They beat the Warriors. They're playing better basketball. That was a big game for them. Okay, they lost to the Clippers. Kawhi played great. And then they did what they were supposed to against the Lakers. The narrative takes a fucking shift of 30 points. Coming from someone like myself, 
who covers the Lakers day in and day out. It was a really hard loss to suffer. Um, a tough pill to swallow, given what you said. A lot of things. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the Boston Celtics... <laughs> are pretty fucking good they're really fucking they're good. good they're really good and so i'm just watching that up close i'm like they're, wow they're fucking really good they have almost no yeah. deficiencies and they're getting better that but that's what look man i've i've seen 70 i've seen 73 wins i've played against 67 wins i've like i watched with my own eyes watch michael jordan do the 70 like i believe that they're that good and now to me, they go from like a, a, a high 60 win team, in my opinion, not saying that they can't, but the way that they performed on this road trip, they look like a high 50 win team. That puts me in a notch of like how I view how good you are, right? If you're, if they're a 57 win team, that's good. But I truly believe that this team could win 61, 62 if they're healthy and locked in. This, this was underperformance. Why- you have your podcast because in an hour show, you can't get this uh, ample no. time to just dis- <laughs> describe. Gone. So I just get to rant. I get to rant all I well, fucking Well, kudos want. to you because okay. I, I, I think at the end of the day, too, it is a level of expectation that you have out of respect yeah. for the Boston Celtics and what you see on their roster. Having said, I did yeah. need to give you all those questions because I did think to myself, this man paid, played 18 years. A terrible I did. No, I, it was the, I needed it was, a bit. It was a personal information in my head. It's like, where are we about to put these Celtics among the greats? Mm-hmm. Are we going to put them up with those those 2000? Are we going to be having those conversations? I think that they could have beat the 2019-18 Warriors. No way. There's no way. Man, Jason Tatum, that's Kevin Durant. Fuck Jalen Brown. Blah, blah, blah. And then you got the defense. You got Marcus Smart chasing around Steph. If those guys were to go and win 66 games and win a championship this year, those are the conversations that we would be having. Mm -hmm. right? Putting them against the elite. So I can start holding them to that elite standard, in my opinion, now and be like, oh, that was a a shitty road trip. That was a fucking, that was terrible. Because the Golden State Warriors, when they won 73 wins, I know that they're an extreme, they would have looked at that as like, like we didn't play well on that road trip. So their their two seven-game trips that season, I believe they both went six and one, both trips. Six and one. Right, yeah, four and two. Four, I believe so. Yeah, yeah, four, yeah. and that was like the longest like a team had done. I remember seeing like mm-hmm. a longest road trip with the highest percentage. The four and two is not bad. It's four and two with playing terrible and losing that game against the Warriors. The manner in which you did, right? Like you are the best team in basketball, showing up to the team that is five hundred and they're the defending champions, and they make you look mortal. Mm-hmm. That's. And the Clippers were watching and you looked mortal. And the Lakers were watching and you looked mortal. Now you came back to beat them, but being down 12 with four minutes ago lets you know that for 40, you know, 44 minutes of that 48 minutes, you looked real mortal. Terrible road trip. That's where it came from. I'm like, y'all could be immortals or you can fucking let people believe that they can whoop y'all ass consistently. Back-to-back nights. Like, y'all ain't even going to show no fucking punch back. Back-to-back night, Lakers up 18 against the Lakers, and they fucking take a 12-point lead. And y'all going to say, oh, we went 4-2. and two. If your only argument is that you went 4-2 and two for why it was a good road trip, you're not watching the games well enough. That road trip right there should make you a little, like, motherfuckers need to pick it up. Like, we need somebody to fucking cut somebody out. I need a team meeting. 
motherfucker, I'm trying to win 68 wins and fucking go fold, 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 fold through the fucking finals. Think about Dad, it. We went to we we've done oh, wait, I, wait a second. Yeah. I've won 10 in a row in the postseason, everybody. Listen, I'm a two mile horn. I've done that four times. Four times in my career. Twice with the Cavs. Wait, did I do it twice? No, once yeah. with the fucking once with the fucking Nets. Once with the Nets, I did it three times. I've done it three times in my career. Win 10 in a row in the postseason. That's a sweep, a sweep, and two extra. Like I can see what an elite team is doing. Everybody's got a scrapbook, Richard. I know, but I'm just saying, so I'm just giving people context. I know, and they're going to be so mad at me. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm saying, no, we all, that's my favorite line. Everyone has scrapped it. I'm saying, when I say a terrible road trip, I'm looking at it from being a part of elite, elite teams and how they would view that in a very narrow mind. The fight that Kenyon and I got into is because we were 0-4 on the road trip and we had championship aspirations and we were losing our shit. We still went on to the finals, but that was my rookie year when we got into a fight. Portland, it was like the last game of the road trip. We went 0-4 on that fucking road trip. We were all fucking antsy because that was a fucking god-awful road trip if you were serious about winning a championship. So I look at their performance over those three games, and I'm like, oh, this was fucking trash. I don't care if you went 4-2. and two. Phoenix wasn't that impressive of a win. They've lost five in a row. Brooklyn was a good win, and Toronto was a quality win. But you're the Boston Celtics. I expect you to do those things. I expect Fair. you to do Fair. Um, all right, so we only have a couple more minutes before our guest joins us, and so I want – I'm going to – allow you to pick which argument oh. you would like to oh here we um, go argument on. would time. you like argument to time. um go off and i'm sure it's going to be in a positive manner on the pelicans having okay. won seven of their last eight zion playing out of his mind ridiculous um or the nba finding the nets 25k for sitting eight players on the back end of a back-to-back and taking it from a perspective of where do you stand on the balance of resting guys, but also man- maintaining the fan experience and, um, you know, allowing fans to see stars play. The Nets were fined 25K for sitting Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons, Nick Claxton, Seth Curry, Royce O'Neal, Joe Harris, and TJ Clip- Warren. The Clippers just did that. The Clippers just did it, right? Like, which, which would you like to go on? Would you go on the Nets? Do you want to end on the Pelicans? We're gonna start with the fucking Nets, but and, but it's not the We're Nets. I want to start with right. the league. It's not. It's not the Nets. It's the league, right? That's what I figured. Yeah. The Clippers just did the exact same thing. <laughs> Excuse you. Excuse me. Whatever. <laughs> I don't know if the mic was gonna pick that up, but it did. So my thing is this. No, hear me out. If that's the if that's you're gonna do that, and it's like. There's something to be had about sneaking a win when you're a man or two down and giving somebody. And it's like, well, we don't want to burn out our secondary players. This is a day of rest. This is not the fucking players. I'm trying to tell you guys, this isn't the players doing that. And there was a time where you would only do it with older players and younger players. For instance, this is how I just give you guys another example. When... Kenyon Martin, Kenyon Martin, if you guys remember, if you're old Nets fans, he was getting in a lot of like flagrant fouls my rookie year. He was getting tons of flagrant fouls, tons of flagrant fouls. He kept getting suspended. He kept getting suspended. It was like a big thing because he was fucking people up. And we're going to show some highlights across this. So 
that's when I got to start. I played in as many games as I could. I played in 70-something games my rookie year. But that's were the games that I got to start. Now, I averaged nine points a game, nine, just under 10 points a game and like three rebounds. But they saw in my like seven or eight starts in Kenyon's absence, my numbers went to 15 points a game and five rebounds. And they're like, holy shit, this kid should be starting. It's a larger sample size. This was done because those were the starting opportunities that I got. Now, that allowed for them to trade Keith Van Horn during that summer go get Dikembe and then push me into the starting lineup. So because of the work I did when somebody was out, that's what gave me the opportunity to get into the starting lineup and boom, more for it. My point, long story short, is this. Some of these guys are missing out on opportunity of growth, right? Opportunity of like getting better, right? Like I understand rest and I understand all this, but when you're sitting like you're just conceding the game, Right. And it's like you can rest. You can stagger, stagger guys rest like, hey, we're going to let our two stars or we let one of our stars rest tonight. Everyone's going to go out. We're going to do this. This is how we're going to play it. Then, you know, a couple games later, let a different star. rest. Why are you just going to like, oh, we're going to let everybody rest because someone's still going to someone's still going to roll their ankle. Unfortunately, someone's still going to miss some time because of back tightness in three games because something's going to happen in a game. So the rest is just over the top and it's it is disrespectful it's disrespectful Mm -hmm. like rest two guys stagger your rest make sure you know i'm saying give some people some load management but when you just take seven off you're doing it in front of the faces and it's not the players it's not the players it's not it's the sports science teams that the teams are hiring that the owners are hiring there's having people sit out because they want to protect their investment and they want to it's like your investment is made to go play yeah. It's fucking ignorant. It's it, there's no there's no argument for it. Don't tell me load management. Yes, professional sports, baseball's 160 games. Football knows what's going on. And they are adding games. And they know what's going on to their players. And they're adding games. We're just saying don't take away and just let the fuckers play like they have for the last fucking 76 years. And, and owners and sports science teams are like, well, they're, they're mad load managed. Well, well, it does this and this would be the best time. And it's like, okay, so now players are averaging 70 games or 68 games a season, 25-year-old kids resting. Like, bro. My name is Richard Jefferson. Welcome to my TED Talk. That was amazing. I could actually listen to that side um, that you've always been consistent with forever. Because you love the game, play the game. It can be taken away from you at any moment. The game can be taken away from you at any moment. No game is guaranteed. I am fucking like 96 or 76 points away from 15,000. From 15,000. Have you officially retired? Yeah, I don't fucking know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know how that works. But my point is, is that like, I'm that (laughs) far away from like, like, you don't, nothing's guaranteed from you. Nothing's guaranteed. Like yeah. milk everything, rest when you're fucking dead, as they say. Like if you're injured, yes, but don't just take time off because your other teammates are, t- are taking time off and I don't want to go out there by myself because I've heard that from superstars. I've heard other superstars say, well, if you guys are going to take time off, I'm going to take time off. I've it just in front of us and you're like, it's like, well, no, these, these, you know, good. 
But I'm saying like, yeah, it's like, you know, some of these guys are fucking 50 years old. Right. And it's like, bro, you're, you're fucking nine. Right. You're fucking 29. You're fucking 30. You fucking play with the rest of us. Cause now you're going to have my 35 year old ass out here playing fucking 28 minutes. And then you did I'm have fucking, those games. You I did, did have those games. games. I did have tons of those games. I was playing fucking 38 minutes at the start of fucking my first year at the Cavs. I was fucking gassed in the middle. I'm like, yo, bro, like I'm here to replace Mike Miller and Sean Marion. Like, I'm not here to be your starting small forward. Like, what the fuck? You Unless know? it's game seven of the NBA finals. I'm, fucking get, listen, I'm locked in, but like, I don't have 82 games at that usage rate anymore. Right? Like, I can fucking knock down a corner three, give you 15, 18 minutes of very good defense, catch a lob, dunk on somebody, finish. That's it. I ain't running pick and rolls. I'm not asking for post up ISOs. That was fucking. I don't need to focus on whether I should close out in the quarter strong side. That's that's me at 25. Me at 35 is I'm going to stand here. If you need me, they're not going to fucking leave me. So let's go. Oh, that's amazing. Okay, we've reached that point. Our Chase Freedom Cashback Player of the Week presented by Chase. What player I actually probably just walked you into which player you should be talking about when I gave you a a chance to talk about either the Nets or the Pelicans. Well, I I think you get to pick your player. (laughs) Okay. All right. My Chase Player of the Week. Ah, I'm just give me a moment. I'm just evaluating some of the things that that I've seen. Um, I think the Pelicans is an easy answer. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. Not a team, a player. I know. And this is why. I was just making sure you knew. Why? Okay. This week, and I'm just going to see him a little Homer-ish, and it is, but I'm just going to say it. It's Donovan Mitchell. And this is why. Donovan Mitchell, the Cavs have been playing terrible on the road. They had really struggled on the road. Worse than the Warriors? And so, no, no, no. They're not that bad. But like, <laughs> but like, I feel like they had lost like five or six or something or six in a row. Something They had really struggled on the road. And they go into Dallas, battle with Luka, and come out and win that one. That's a big win. See, that's for a team struggling on the road, you go beat Luka's Mavs. That's a very good team. You go beat them on the road. That can fucking jumpstart your season. That can get you, okay, now we're, we we had that stretch. Now we might win four out of five on the road because we're starting to get our mojo back. If we can go into Dallas, we can go into Detroit, right? If we can go into Detroit, we can fucking go into Orlando. Now you get going a little bit. So, like, that's why that was one of those sneaky big wins because that's an easy place to go. Dallas is a fun city. It's fucking, you go out there, you fucking lose another one. It's like, hey, Dallas, that we played hard, right? You fucking won it. That's so my Donovan fucking, Mitchell. I'm going Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, I'm a little homerish, but it was because I was paying attention and I was like, yo, that's a big win. Rightfully so. Donovan Mitchell's our Chase Freedom Cashback Player of the Week presented by Chase. Are you ready for our guest? He has arrived. But, but, but real quick, I, but I just want to make sure that you guys know that, like, Allie, you've known me for so, so long. And you know how much respect I have for this industry and like the broadcasting industry and like how I'm fascinated by it and like competitive, all the stuff. Like our next guest, when when I first met him, I was like super stoked because I'm like, bro, I recognize what you're doing. Like the teleprompter, the the all of the, the the how you're managing, like all your success as a former athlete. I'm like, I don't think you're getting the flowers you deserve. Like I because I like 
just like how when you're a basketball player growing up, you have people that you look to. It's like, oh, Michael Jordan, he's the best. Well, there are certain people now in my space that I look to. Nate Burleson's one of them, Stray Hand, and, you know, obviously our next guest. So just before we get in there, I just want to make sure that that is, you know, known to our viewers. Like what he's doing is like really, really groundbreaking and, and fucking big time. And he's, and he's awesome. So I'm glad we're boys. Hey, it's Kevin Hart with my friend Catherine O'Hare. Tis I. And we're cash backing on our entire holiday gift list with Chase Freedom Unlimited. We are. How about cologne for Jack? You know what? That's cash backing and it's in the air. Ooh, and I love this scarf for Barbara. And I love the cash backing. Ooh, focus on the giving, Kevin. And, and, one more on the list. Somebody named Ke- Kev. Kevin? Yes! <laughs> How do you cash back? Learn more at ChaseFreedom.com. Chase, make more of what's yours. Restrictions and limitations apply. Cards are issued by JPMorgan Chase Bank and a member FDIC. This episode of Road Trippin' is brought to you by Mendy. Mendy offers a line of safe and trusted hemp-derived CBD products. And I cannot skip out on the fact that they are a women-owned company. I know what you're thinking. Allie, wow, you've never sounded this hype when you're doing these reads. Well, it's because I had a full night's rest last night. Since learning about Mendy, I've been eating their delicious gummies and using their CB stick morning, day, and night. And before bed, I take some of Mendy's sleep tincture and always get a good night rest. I woke up today with a ton of energy and was ready to roll. Even though I've been jam-packed, with a travel and TV schedule. Mendy's products, they're all natural for pain, sleep, stress, and energy. With Mendy, you have a choice between full spectrum and no THC. Mendy is a safe, inclusive choice if you're new to CBD. And oh, did I mention they are a women-owned company? Some things are just worth saying twice. Listen up, road trippers. You can save 30% off your first Mindy purchase with this exclusive offer. Just enter the promo code ROADTRIPPIN at checkout today. That's 30% off your first Mindy purchase when you enter the promo code ROADTRIPPIN at checkout today. Hey, road trippers. Channing, Richard, and I all live on the West Coast now, but we love watching our calves, which used to be a pain for us because they don't always show their games in our local markets. But this season, we discovered an amazing trick that left us watching every single NBA game live for a fraction of the normal cost. It's called ExpressVPN, and here's how it works. Sure, the NBA offers League Pass, which lets you stream games online, but if you live outside the U.S. or Canada, it doesn't let you watch all of them. Some games, they're blacked out. So what do you do? You fire up ExpressVPN and use it to change your location to a different country, buy and purchase NBA League Pass from there, and boom, no more blackouts. And depending on the country, NBA League Pass could cost less than 15 bucks for a whole year. ExpressVPN works on your computer, phone, router, and consoles like Fire TV, so you can watch all the games from any device. Even when you're not watching NBA games, we're using ExpressVPN for stuff like Netflix or Disney Plus to access thousands of extra shows that are only available on other countries' libraries. Enjoy all 1,230 games of the NBA season in crystal clear HD with the world's most trusted VPN, ExpressVPN. Use our special link today and get free three months at expressvpn.com slash roadtrippin. Then you can use ExpressVPN to sign up for NBA League Pass at a huge discount. That's expressvpn.com slash roadtrippin for three months free with a one-year package, expressvpn.com slash roadtrippin. Akbart, normally it's the three of us, um, and we could actually include this in um, because we are going to begin this podcast, uh, this edition of Road Trippin' with RJ and Channing. I'm your host, Allie Clifton, alongside Richard Jefferson. And normally our guest, Akbar Bajabiamia, is joining us. We are so excited. We're going to dive into all things related to him. Um, normally, Richard's the one that has moments where he's not on the pod. It's always 
Channing and I, but today, Akbar, uh, we just got word that a tree fell on a power line outside of Channing's home. And so his <laughs> internet is down. Richard, am I lying? Am I lying? <laughs> Are you, what about what part? The Channing part or the me part? <laughs> Normally wow. when it comes to the internet technical difficulties, it's oh. you. Okay, let me let me yes. say this. Yes, yes, I have had I've I've had stretches where everything that could go wrong <laughs> will go wrong consecutively, and this might be. I feel like today's not the day, but ninety nine percent of the time that we record a podcast, a garbage truck drives by my house <laughs> at that exact time every single day, regardless of what time we do it. Right, right. so I do have that stretch. But Akbar, well, thank say, you so uh, much for joining us, man. Absolutely. I will say, though, you, you must invest in a little studio at the crib. Um, I did this prior to the pandemic, and my wife mm. was like, oh, my goodness, why are you spinning? On? I got the sound walls. I got the whole thing, The you know, all this other kind of stuff. Yeah. I went with a robust Internet system. I was like, I was at the NFL Network years ago, and um, and I was like, man, how does their Internet never fall out? I want that. And so I put yeah. that all them wires and cat sixes yeah, and all this yeah, yeah. meows. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I put all that in the house. You gotta have that. So How, that way you never was it great? Was it was it great? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just not using it okay. right now though, but but yes, it was great. <laughs> You know what I love about this is that you yourself are a pro uh, coming in as a guest on our podcast. You're a pro, obviously. You're a host uh, of the talk on CBS. You're also the host of American Ninja Warrior on NBC. Um, you're also an author of Everyone Can Be a Ninja. You're, yes. you're, I mean, a man of many hats. Mm -hmm. um, but before we dive into all of this, I was just on your Instagram and you did something fun the other day. So I wanted to kind of start this podcast or yeah, podcast and quiz you. Um, okay. Because not only did you play in the NFL, but I've heard through the grapevine you're a big hoops fan. Yes. So that may or may have something to do with this, but I'm going to quiz you on this first thing that comes to your head, and I'm going to give you names, and you okay. go from there, all right? All right. All right, ready? Yeah. Bill. Walton. Ooh, John. McLevitt. Ma Ma oh, uh, the, the, oh. Oh, uh, Makovic, ah, Makovic, 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 Michael. <laughs> Jordan. <laughs> uh, Kevin. Ooh, Johnson. Mm, Isaiah. I didn't want to go Durant. I didn't want to go Durant. Um, right. for, for, I'm, I'm a Lakers fan, but I have, anyways, uh, I digress. But go ahead. <laughs> Isaiah. Thomas. Charles. Barkley. Larry. Johnson. Wow. Okay, grandma not bad. Don't forget Grandma Ma. Don't forget Grandma Ma. <laughs> grandma Ma. Oh, the react <laughs> juice, the react juice in the converse. Yes. Come yes. on. Yeah. Come yeah. on. Come I just on. love I loved seeing that on your Instagram. And and obviously it's interesting where our minds go because I had all of them, Bill Russell, John Stockton, Tim Duncan, and they were all a part of the Hoops Hall, obviously, Hall of Fame. It, it, so I went that yeah. route. But I loved where your brain went. That's fun. That's awesome. Yeah. 
How are you? Yeah, you kind of, you, you kind of, Ali, you kind of pinned me into that because you said basketball. <laughs> so my brain went straight and shifted. I, I could have gone all over the place, but I, I try to stay in basketball. I, I will uh, keep that in mind when I do that on someone else. I can't give it away. I got you. No, I um I would have I, I I would have liked to play that game. I'm just saying they she sees that she just brings out all the cool stuff for the guests, and I'm just like I'm over here answering those questions because I'm thinking here like that would be a really good scientific test to just say those names and see what does pop into people's heads. They're like not even sports related. Why don't Akbar? Why don't you do it to Rich? I feel like yeah, you're Rich, really good on go. your feet. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, okay. I, I I do. I all of our answers were like. You know, you guys know him when they go, but go ahead. Okay, Joe. <laughs> Richard, there's only one Joe. There's only one Joe in football. What are you doing? What are you doing? Are we? Oh, this is the thing. I had a friend. My question, my question was, Thank are you, we Allie. doing football, basketball? What are we doing? You can do no, whatever. No, so no, it doesn't no, no, matter. No, no. Just he's, anything he's, that goes in your head. I don't know how this works. That's what I'm saying. I was curious about okay, the game. Football, football. We're gonna go football. I did basketball. Uh, okay. And so football. Go okay, football. football. All right, full. Okay, lock in. Lock in. Okay, lock in. All right. All right. Watch. Watch this one, Allie. Watch this, Richard. Are you kidding? Sherman. Me? That was delayed. It must have been your internet. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the garbage truck. <laughs> okay. Here. Watch okay, I'm focused. I'm focused. I'm focused. Okay. Focus. Jamarcus. Russell. Okay, good. Um Larry. Gerald <laughs> Now stop doing that. Stop whispering. Uh <laughs> Allie was that person in school that always was giving the answer. Gosh, right? <laughs> getting getting us both in trouble because she can't whisper. Jeez. <laughs> Like, I don't think like, use your brain. I'm struggling. <laughs> yes. Like Fitzgerald. Okay. All right. <laughs> I thought Larry O'Brien. I hear, I hear Larry. I think Larry O'Brien. I can't get that out of my head. So I'm like, Larry O'Brien is a real person, but you're thinking of the trophy, but keep going. Sorry. Okay, I heard right. Larry. Um, uh, Vince. Uh, uh, Young. Oh, okay, okay, all right, okay. Uh, I, I'm not mad at that. I thought you were gonna go Lombardi, okay. but you went Young. Okay. Um, oh, oh. oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm, I know. I, yeah, yeah. I know him as Vic. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this is amazing. Okay. All right. <laughs> la, 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 last. Last one. We're on a first. We're on a first name basis. We're on a first name basis. All right. All right, last one for me. I'm trying to go with one. Um, I'm trying to go with the name. Um, DeBrickashaw. Ferguson. Wow, I did not know you were going to get that one. I actually no, judged you, yeah. and I said, I'm going to go with the – There's only one DeBrickashaw. <laughs> there's only one. Okay, look, I was – look, I am not a football guy. I did not – I was not a multi-sport athlete like yourself. I, I was not – I was not that – but I, my, my, my father or my stepdad is from Philadelphia. So like, you know, he's like a South Philly, Philly through and through individual. So it was like Sundays, it was like, he wasn't going to church. If Randall Cunningham, Keith Byers, Reggie White, if like all of these dudes were, were playing, he wasn't, he wasn't going anywhere. So I, I, I did, I was raised in a football home. I just didn't okay. play football. 
you know, you won me over when you knew to okay. put the show because you, you either know or you don't know. So yeah, I'm you gotta done. like I'm that. Done. That's a name you just you gotta know. You gotta know yeah, right. certain names. Certain. Uh, names. What about what about Joe Montana? We we didn't need to know. Okay. No, um, look, my brain my brain's not functioning at a, at a full speed right now. Kidding. Akbar, this is interesting. Yes. Um, speaking of Philadelphia, we actually had uh, Max Struess on our podcast a, a week or two ago, and uh, he, Channing, and Rich have all thrown out a first pitch. Holy shit. Oh, how do we keep getting I, these really people? I actually haven't seen your first pitch, but I heard it was Oh my God. Oh my God. Well, well, like, like I. I Ali, I appreciate the setup, and, and let me just say, and you wow. know, I feel like you and Richard kind of played that well. Like, oh, I grew up in Philadelphia. That's a great segue into. Uh, look, I have you get never. TV, you I'm, get it. Look, oh look, my I, I'm, god, bro! I'm, I'm gonna put. I'm gonna put like this. Um, just be honest. I never thought that anyone would ever ask me to throw out a first oh. pitch. And we're filming Ninja Warrior in Philadelphia, um, and they were so kind. They let me do my book tour there at the stadium. The, the fans there are, were very gracious. I'm a California kid. I don't, I don't think anybody knows me in Philadelphia. And they say, would you throw out the first pitch? I'm like, oh, man, this is great. Like, And I'm not going to lie. They go, and the host of American Ninja Warrior, Akbar Bajabia Millen. You hear the fans. Ah, I was like, man, that's, that's kind of cool. I'm humbled at this point. Yeah. I'm like, uh, yeah. but the night before, I went out and I Googled like all the people who's thrown on first pitch. And I saw oh. George W. Bush throw like a, like a just looked real old and unathletic. And Barack Obama looked very presidential when he threw it. I was like, I need them to know that even though I'm a retired NFL guy, I could still maybe if I wanted to play baseball and I'm a lefty. So I figured, you know what? It's not that hard. Now, mind you, <laughs> I didn't play I didn't play baseball ever in my life. Never even been on a mound. Never. It was my first time in a mound. I was surprised at how far back this mound was from home plate. <laughs> and so when I get there, I go, oh, boy, this is interesting. Um, let me just cheat a little bit. So I came down that hill, that little mount thingy, whatever, and I went back to one of my favorite pitchers of all time because his legs used to stick out, uh, Dennis Eckersley. I thought, I'm about mm -hmm. to Dennis Eckersley them. And... <laughs> I threw that ball out and it didn't go where it was supposed to. And many were saying oh. that this was the worst pitch ever, but it wasn't. It really wasn't. Um, I felt like it was, yeah, it was interesting. Uh, I, I Let's think, just say that. Thing. Look, okay. There's okay, no proof. So this is a podcast, it, right? Nobody has visual proof. No, oh, oh, no, 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 no. This, this is, no, oh, this is, we're recording all of this. This is, we, we are going <laughs> to splice it. Even if it was an audio podcast, we were going to get the footage and put it over the video for social media. So it's going to get seen because we have to acknowledge it. And I say this with the most, like the utmost respect, the left, the kick leg, beautiful the technique like you held it you didn't just do the little like hey this is what i'm right. doing you put it out you held it i did and then you had the wind up you went to throw and then it was like to me it felt like you glitched and you didn't want to let go of the ball <laughs> that's what happened you glitched and you're like oh shit this is real don't throw this ball and then at the last minute it's it's like that's what happens. Like you ever see a quarterback get sacked as he's in his throwing motion and the ball just right. goes straight down. I don't think I've ever seen it. I, there was an indentation in the grass in front of you. 
There oh, is an in, how did you put Alley. an indentation in it? You know, oh, it was Philly, Philly, Philly Fanatic watched it, and it, it was oh, crazy. How did Philly um, fans treat you? How did Philly fans um, treat you? They booed me. They booed <laughs> me. They booed me afterwards. I was like, yeah. that would have been the perfect Southwest commercial. Oh. Want to get away. <laughs> Want to get away. You're like, I, like dude. I grew up with a. I grew Are you up literally with a trying Philly to break down a two seam? Is that what you're yes, really trying yes, to break? Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah, I, I was. I, I went he threw to a fastball. Oh, you, Allie, Allie, come on! It wasn't that bad. I mean, right? you couldn't have you couldn't have had a bigger target. <laughs> that was bad. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Um, the, the best yeah. news about it, it is not the worst one to have been on here. Channing's Channing threw his. <laughs> Eight feet left, sidearm, like oh, never threw on a mound, your, never did anything. Friend? My look, I'm Allie, a natural I, athlete, right? Like I, I'm, I'm, I am a natural athlete. Mm-hmm. Mine was purely like again. First of all, I'm a prep person, so one of my buddies, Nate Staggs, uh, former uh, minor league pitcher, said, "Hey, let's go throw around the ball a little bit." So went to Miracosta High School. Threw around a couple of pitches, got on the mound, just a couple of times to start, just so I could see it, feel the distance, get the energy. You had never done that again. Uh, that was mistake one. Uh, right. And so I threw it. So so mistake one. So then the, so then I get there, and all they're saying is like, just don't throw it in the dirt. So again, my shit was like, just don't throw it in the dirt. Right. That's all you got to do. It is far. Did you, you lob it there. though? Did you did you just lob it? I lobbed it like a motherfucker. <laughs> I loved it. I fucking threw a fucking cupcake up there because it's like as long like and if you try and throw it with pace and you throw it too high, it's gonna go over their head. It's a whole thing. Just loft it up there, even if the catcher has to jump and catch it. Yeah, I was good. No, I didn't, I, didn't, I wasn't. I wasn't going for the lob, but what I did was embarrass myself. And my dad, who doesn't, you know, my dad, you know. <laughs> from Nigeria, came to this country in 1974. My dad never really got into the American sport thing. You know, like when we would play ball growing up, he just thought, well, why are you guys in this athletics? Okay, go do this athletics. He always (laughs) added it into it. Um, And so I remember him calling me and he doesn't watch sports center or anything like that. He go, why did you embarrass instead of embarrass? Why did you, why did you embarrass the family like that? What, what was that? I was like, my dad is getting oh. on me. I was like, Dad, you don't yeah. even watch baseball. You embarrass. And, and it's the like family. lefties. Yeah, lefties normally have a, a really natural throwing motion. Like re- what, what it was, it was, it was really unathletic. <laughs> <laughs> like that's that's what like. Okay, okay. No, and I say this as a. I say it. I say it out of surprise, not as disrespectful. It's just like, dude, you like you can play any sport you want. Are you listening to this? I, I was are just you, surprised. It's okay, like watching gonna, it's like watching MJ airball a free throw. You're like, oh, okay. Oh. I have, I have, I have, I have a perfect, the perfect excuse, and it's not even an excuse. It's real. I blame Daryl Strawberry. Daryl Strawberry and I hmm. went to the same high school at different times. Of course, he's the you know one of the all time greatest baseball yeah. players to ever come out of Crenshaw High School. We all know Daryl Strawberry. But after that era, baseball just wasn't played in the hood anymore. And so I am a product <laughs> of the fact that we don't play baseball in the hood. I grew up playing football and basketball. That was it. So um, I have a legitimate excuse. I had never been on a mound before. 
Here I am as a grown Here's, man. I had never been on a but, mountain but same, same here. Same here. One of my proudest moments as a father, and people might find this to be weird. I don't give a shit. Is that my kids play in Little League. The fact that my kids play in Little League and because I wasn't able to afford baseball, I couldn't play baseball. Basketball was free and co- and, and football, they'll give you pads once you get to high school. So it's like <laughs> like both of those sports, it's, it's tailored. Baseball is something that you have to play growing up and little leagues cost money and cleats cost money. That shit's expensive. And I got money and that shit's expensive. So, but it is a proud moment to see like my son, because not a lot of black people, Jackie Robinson is an icon and not a lot of black yeah kids are playing basketball are playing baseball and i think it's a shame yeah. man but because my sons love it right when yeah. they when they do fucking pay attention they love it so like <laughs> i i get i get your i get your pain of never playing baseball growing up yeah. i will say this though akbar i never really understood or heard i guess the backstory to rich and realizing that he just lobbed it up there and, and i coming from someone no, that's there, never was some pace. someone that's there was never some pace there was some pace first pitch I really can't say a whole lot because yeah it does look scary as hell I give you a lot of credit for taking the risk um the form the form was phenomenal uh I'm always someone that likes to play with a little force so uh, I would give you the upper hand don't 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 this is not everyone gets a no no I took well you took a chance rich so you you did I mean compare we we need to do a There's side no participation by side. trophies. We are all Take, division one athletes here. We are all division one athletes. We don't give we don't give participation trophies where we come from. Ali, Ali, can Ali you do played me a Division One basketball to Leo. Yes. yes. Ali, can you do me a favor and let's put this together on social side by let's side. Take, yeah, side by side, and we can break mm-hmm. it down. Who had the best form? Everyone's gonna say me. Oh who went out there oh my and, God. Had, and who had a heat, who put the heat on it? You did, you, you, let's you light did, this you, candle. Hey, you did this like like a presidential lob, like you you're like, like yeah. finesse. And, finesse. Well, it was like finesse. Like, what was some that? might call it a some might call it a gentleman's lob, right? Somebody <laughs> might somebody might call that, right? It's a gentleman's lob. I'm not out here, right? I'm not out here trying to like flex and show off. You know, I'm not trying I, to be out here and balance. I, you know, oh, however you said my family. Shout out to pops. You know. Shout out to pops. Um, out you to both pops. have you both have a TikTok. I am not a fan of TikTok, yeah. so Rich knows this. <laughs> so as long as we transfer, like, do the side by side on TikTok, you guys yeah. cover the world with it, and then bring it over to Instagram to my world. Um, okay. Yeah, that'd be a great social piece. Um, yeah. <laughs> while we have you, Akbar, are okay. So you are a hoops fan, right? I am. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Who's who's your team? Who do you follow? Who do you love? Uh, Give us a backstory. Born, born and raised a Los Angeles Lakers fan. Um, this hasn't been, you know, the best year for us, but um, you know, I'm <laughs> born and raised you know, a Lakers fan. I, I, I will tell you this: I have never, I've never understood how people could be a Clippers fan. Um, <laughs> when I was growing up, I went to Audubon Middle School, and if you had perfect attendance, this was like the worst thing they could ever do. But if you had perfect attendance, they'd give you tickets to go watch the Clippers at the sports arena. Nobody oh. would take the tickets. Nobody. Oh. I would that take it sometimes just to get to get out of the house so I didn't have to do dishes or something like that. And I'd be running around the arena doing whatever, like just so I didn't have to oh. do dishes or chores when I came. But that's how bad it was. And then to see people like Marcellus Wiley and some of these people who swear by the Clippers, I'm just going – there's no way oh. I could ever be a Clippers fan. So being in L.A., here are the teams. If you guys want to know the teams to root for in Los Angeles. Football, 
you have to root for the Los Angeles Chargers. So, Ali, you can't wear a Los Angeles Rams whoa, uh, whoa, shirt whoa, or whatever whoa, it is whoa, that you're wearing. Now, no, I'm going to let you finish. Okay, but there are two teams in, in, in L.A. that you root for. The L.A. Raiders used to be L.A. Raiders and the L.A. Chargers. That, that's it. Those are your only choice in L.A. Basketball, it's only one choice, the Lakers, dominant. Baseball, only one choice, the Dodgers. And, of course, we know hockey, that's it. Uh, so with the Kings. But, and the Sparks. Um, yeah. Okay, okay, R- oh, oh, really oh, quickly. And the Sparks, and the Sparks. Absolutely the Sparks. And the Sparks. Absolutely. Okay, um... Uh, shout the out Rams. Angel City. Um, okay. No, yes. Thank you. The Rams. We're going to get to that. I feel like there might be a smidge of a bias. Um, I, I feel like there might be a reason why you are so adamant about not including the defending Super Bowl champions, Los Angeles Rams. The, the, it's, fi- it's fine. It's a, it, it, it's, it's, it's just, just saying there might be a bias. Uh, and uh, yeah, that, that's the one thing that we're going to have to discuss. Now I'll say this. Um, you know, as a person that was born here in Los Angeles, uh, my mom went to Dorsey. My dad went to Morningside. Yeah. Yeah. Same hood. Yeah. Same hood. Yes. Yes. Same, same. As soon as as the Crenshaw, as soon as the Crenshaw high, I was like, oh, here we go. Right. So yeah, my mom was a, a Dorsey Don. Um, there is no way that you would ever root for the chargers in any situation here in Los Angeles, California. That is like, that is like, that is saying like saying the Mets are the baseball team in New York. That's, that's what it's like saying. That's how far gone that is even remotely said. San Diego people would be offended by that actual statement. San Diego people would be offended by that statement. That's just, just Allie, my thoughts. Allie, can you get them off of me, please? I mean, I just, Oh, Ali's not I'm supporting because she has a Rams. I'm actually, Rams I'm actually a Bra- I'm a Browns fan. I, blue is just <laughs> good for my eyes. <laughs> and it's, yes. I'm born and raised in Ohio. My team, the Browns, the Guardians, the Cavs. I am an Ohio fan oh, no. through and through. Buckeyes. I, my, my apologies. I, I didn't realize that you were suffering like that. Because um, those teams, <laughs> those teams no. clearly. Are we're finally in agreements. We're finally in agreements. All right. So listen, listen. I, okay. I get to I get to show a little love here. Um, like when we met, we met. Um, I think it was around Super Bowl before that Super Bowl. opportunity. Super, yeah, Super Bowl. yeah, 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 yeah. Exchange mm-hmm. exchange informations, and I was always a really really big fan because I knew that you were a former athlete, um, and then to watch your transition from you know doing Ninja Warrior and that blowing up, and you know you know watching your success there, and then watching you like transition into like daytime television. I don't think that like you get the credit that you fully deserve uh, for like, you know, the doors that you are opening up and, 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 you know, the way I look at it, it it's, you know, Strahan, it's Burleson and it's you, right? Like you guys okay. have done so much stuff for all the, the next generation, right. Of guys trying to come in. Um, and so look, I, I just want, I, I want to know your story, you know, from you, like, how did you find American Ninja Warrior? How did that go? What was the audition like? Um, uh, you know, when it started from like, oh, this might be a, a cool little show to being like a global U.S. sensation. Like, what was that kind of trend? Like, how did you get into it? And then that moment, what you felt? Well, you know, 
Richard, Ali, you know, it's crazy because when I left the NFL, it's no surprise, you know, I didn't have a big NFL career, you know, you know, I was a journeyman in the NFL. My brother was a big time, you know, star in the NFL. And ultimately, you know, when you look at the the landscape of broadcasting, it was typically reserved for guys who are, you know, big name guys, Super Bowl rings, playoffs, you know, all pros, something like that. I had none of those credentials. And so it made it extremely difficult. And so I use what I call the backdoor approach. I started locally in San Diego because I played for the Chargers. I played for the San Diego State Aztecs. And so I started building my reps with the local uh, TV station there. That then led me into doing college football. College football led me into doing the NFL Network. And I was like, man, like, this is cool. I finally got that opportunity. But I started doing fantasy football, which mo at that time, no professional, former professional football player wanted to talk about fantasy because it was beneath them. And I was like, well, it's not beneath me. I'll talk about it. So that's how I got my opportunity to be on the NFL Network. I did that for eight years. But my second year uh, at the NFL Network, in 2013, I got a call from my agent and was like, uh, yo, there's this audition. Um, I guess, you know, at the time, somebody from Ninja Warriors saw me on the NFL Network and was like, hey, let's bring this guy in for an audition. And, you know, when you're in L.A., you go on a million auditions and you get a million no's. Uh, and at that point, I had already gotten a million to one no's about everything that I was auditioning for. So I actually went in there just like, I don't care. I'm just going to go in here, just mess around. Yeah. And I went into that audition and I was free from the pressure of, I got to get this gig. And I think that allowed me to be more me in that audition rather than trying to be this button up version of what we saw, whether it's through Stuart Scott, rest in peace, or, you know, some of these other icons that we've seen on TV. So I actually just went in there and I was just cutting up. I saw the tape. It was very, it was very sterile at the time, just very basic. And I just brought the energy that I would normally bring if I was watching something crazy like that on TV with my boys. And that's what then got me the the opportunity. Um, I, I would have never thought in a million years I lied. They told me, they asked me if I ever watched it. I told them, oh yeah, yeah I watched it. I just watched what, what they sent me and said, yeah, yeah, I watched it. And then 11 years later, here I am, you know, doing American Ninja Warrior. Wow. But yeah, it was such a mm -hmm. blessing and interesting because what inspired me was when I saw it was I saw WWE. I grew up a big WWE fan. So I've had the opportunity to tell Vince McMahon. <clears throat> I've had to tell uh, the opportunity to tell um, Shane, um, his daughter, uh, Sh Shannon, I think it's Shannon. Yep. Um, and I've had an opportunity to tell the McMahon family how much WWE meant to me and how it helped me get this job because mm -hmm. I was able to utilize all the commentators that I've ever heard WWE growing up and put my own spin on it. So, uh, you know, they exaggerate a lot. Um, mm -hmm. But for me, I didn't exaggerate. I was genuinely in awe. And I think being new to Ninja Warrior helped me because I had never seen human beings move like that. I'm like, what? Oh, my mm -hmm. goodness. You know, and that kind of intensity really just took Ninja Warrior. And the combination with me and Matt Eisman, it was just... Mm -hmm. It was like it was heaven. It was heaven in in the in the booth. Yeah, what is my, the balance? My, oh, you got it. No, you got no, it. No, no, I was gonna say my kids. The I let my kids watch like the the kids Ninja Warrior, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. The kids Ninja Warrior is crazy. Watching these little kids train and like do all this stuff, and I be looking at my kids. I be looking at them too. Like, you see what these kids doing? You see you, you see <laughs> you see what they doing? You see they out here training. They training. <laughs> training. 
six yeah. years old. You see this kid? Yeah, I don't eat sugar. And it's like always some like really funny, like the kids are super sweet, but they're always, there's some extremist sides to them of like, yo right. kid, man, like go climb a tree. Like y'all training, right? That's in, but I, I just look at my kids like, really, Lil Rich? You can't do 10 push-ups. This kid's got to do 19 pull-ups, bro. And they, you know, my kids, my kids make find watch the same it. inspiration. Yeah, they find the same yeah. inspiration. <laughs> because it is. Yeah, they love it. My kids love warrior. it. And when you watch it and it makes you go, man, I can do that. Or I want to do that. That's the feeling you get when you watch Ninja War. Because, oh, again, it's, yeah. it's just not normal to see human beings move like uh, real-life Avengers, you know? No. Mm. Yeah. 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 Go ahead, How much Alex. does... Um, like doing that, but then you're also, you know, the host on the talk. How do those kind of like go in tandem? Do they go in tandem? Do they help one another? How much do they benefit just in terms of you and your profession and all the success that you've had? Um, how do you kind of balance all of that and how much do they kind of intertwine? I, I don't think they intertwine um, that much. I think the one thing that helped me into the talk show space, into daytime television was being used to being me. You know, there's a huge learning curve I had to have on being, there's one thing to do, you know, sports commentary. There's another thing when you're doing sports entertainment. Ninja Warrior is sports entertainment. So part of it is being comfortable being you and just being able to be expressive and, you know, all of that stuff. And I think that part translated because it was hard. My very first year, I struggled on Ninja Warrior, reading teleprompter and, um, you know, doing my stand-ups and it was just so awkward and I felt dumb and I felt insecure. <laughs> and, we all feel oh, the man. same way. <laughs> yeah, it was just yeah. so bad. And I was just like, this is, this is awful. And then I remember when, you know, my first year I was trying to bring in some of the stuff, like the flavor that, you know, how I speak to my friends and they, you know, network can be a little uptight and they're like, oh, maybe not say that. And can you say this? And then and anyways, when I found my voice, it was like, it was working and everyone just left me alone. If you speak mm. this way, if you say it this way, if it comes out that way, just let him be. And the it's crazy how you, the, the confidence that grows inside when you can just be you. And so when I got the opportunity to be the talk, to do the talk, I said to myself, what I wanted to bring to the talk show was authenticity, because I feel like authenticity is, especially in this generation, whether you look at social media People don't want the polished and the buttoned up. They just want you to be real. They want you to be authentic. It's what I love about you guys and your, uh, you know, in your podcast and the connection that you have, the authenticity, the real. It doesn't have to be this buttoned up um, product, you know. And so that's ultimately what I try to bring to the talk. And then a lot of my real life stuff as a father. One of the things that I was super excited about was um, I feel like, especially on the talk show space. You know, like when you see some of the other competitors out there, it's always bashing men. And what I love that the talk brought two men on the show to be able to give our perspective on how we see relationships, on how we see life and, you know, and be able to see, you know, you don't know, hear from men because, you know, and you talk to a lot of men, a lot of men don't have that space to be able to really go deep like that um, without being crushed or being put in a box as being misogynistic or whatever the labels are. Thank you yeah. for saying that because I actually, yeah. uh, as a woman in, in today's day and age and in our space, sports, et cetera, I'm very proud to be a female. I'm very proud to be a woman in this space. I think that we are doing such great work. We are making progress. We are showing that we belong because we do. There are incredible mm -hmm. women out there, but I've always said it too. 
without the men and the incredible brilliant minds of men in this business as well, we don't coexist. We don't have the success overall um, that we're showing we can have. And, and so I love to just hear that perspective from you as well. Um, and I've always told that to Rich too. I, I think we yeah. can coexist in this industry and all experience the success um, as one in abundance. So I, I love well, that. Well, Ali, that's, go ahead, Rich. Right. Yeah. No, no, I was no, going to no, say that's no. a great Listen. point. I was going to say that was a great point that you're making. I think the this idea of coexisting together, it doesn't have to be, you know, women bashing men and men bashing women. Like to be able to have our differences, appreciate our differences, uh, being able to have conversations. I say conversation over confrontation. And oftentimes I know it sells to be able to have confrontation on men do this and men aren't this and men, yeah. men, men, and then women, women, women. And it's just like, you know, there's a whole nother type of television that I think, especially the younger viewers, like how do we coexist? How do we work together? What are the things that we can learn? Um, I'm going to go off on a little tangent here, but please, just recently, just recently, Oprah Winfrey was talking about her experiences with menopause. And we talked about this on the talk. And I was like, you know, what's crazy. I have a sister, but she's not at that age. I have a mother. My mother's passed. She passed at 53. But I'm sure she was experiencing those things. But all the women and older women in my life have never had the conversation, right? Um, and it's just like, so we've been excluded from these conversations, but yet men are required to be empathetic and to understand. I'm like, you can't be empathetic or understand something that you've never had a conversation or education about, right? Um, and so I saw that I was like, man, this is why it's important to be able to coexist, to be able to be open with conversation, even if it's like something as taboo as a woman's monthly, being able to have that. I put that on my social, my wife asked me a question. I was I like, oh, yeah, I was like, these are questions that I don't really have, but I'm just like, there's nothing wrong with having these conversations. So we're changing the conversation dynamics because then, you know, people are constantly trying to learn. Now you see, this is why we go to the social and we go in because people are be more more expressive on, on these channels than you would see on traditional media. Dude, you you said it so well because if you're going to have these conversations, the sooner you start being educated on these conversations, the easier they become. If you have these conversations with five, not, with with if like a kid understands what grandma, grandma's going through, he's going to be more understanding of it at 18 when mom's going through it. He'll be more understanding at, at 45, 50 when his wife is going through it. He'll, you know what I'm saying? Like there is an education that, that, you know, if you, if you understand it and like based off of like whatever is age appropriate, but like, yeah, right. like the, the more conversations that I think, you know, we have just about where as men and, and, and that's why I like you guys, you guys have respectful conversations that it's, that's the part that I, I dig. It doesn't mean you agree all the time, but there's still respectful conversations, even within, with, within disagreement, it's still a conversation. Some of the other stuff is not for me personally, yeah. right. Yeah. It's not for me personally, but other people enjoy it and that, and that's on them. They can be wrong. Right. Yeah. No, it, I mean, it's it, literally it, there's the power. Yeah. Yeah. I think this conversation right here is literally the epitome of our title, Road Trippin'. We were all over the map and I love it. Oftentimes we come on here and we talk about sports, but sometimes we just talk about life. And I think the both of you um, are obviously so great at, at having these discussions. Um, we don't want to keep you too long, Akbar. Obviously, we appreciate your time. 
Um, but I, I do want to ask what's next for American Ninja Warrior. What's next for you? Um, you do have, as I mentioned, everyone could be a ninja. I assume that's because of American Ninja Warrior. There's like a play into that. Yep. What's the yeah, there about? is a play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 everyone can be a ninja was a playoff of Ninja Warrior. I, I had an aha moment before my 40th birthday. Um, and I'm going, you know what? Life is just like American Ninja Warrior. You have one obstacle after the next obstacle. And I always love that in between each obstacle, there's a little platform where the competitors, but you'll see these, these athletes going from one platform to the next platform. And they take a break before they hit the next obstacle. And they're just kind of like, yes, I did it. You know, they cheer themselves on and then they're hopping on to the next one. And they do that for six or 10 obstacles. And I'm like, man, isn't this just like life? And sometimes you you, you drop off at the third. And you got to come back around the next year and try again. And they get a little further. So true. And I start thinking <laughs> about all the obstacles in my life um, in some of my friends' life that we've had to overcome. And then what's the secret? Because I was inspired by some of these ninjas who are competing with one leg. Like we had this guy, AT3, or we had this, you know, former wrestler who had, you know, one leg and competing. I'm like, man, this is it. I should do a book about this. And so part of the book is some of the experiences that I had growing up, some of the experiences and making the transition from the NFL into TV, identity crisis, then I talked in and chat, chat, you know, chimed in for other friends like Allison Felix and some of the stuff that she went through growing up. And then some of the ninjas and some of their experiences. One of my good friends, former teammate Namdi Asamoah, telling his story. So people start to understand. And you, it's a collection of stories, myself, ninjas, former athletes, where we're talking about how to overcome obstacles and ultimately get to that buzzer at the end and being able to hit that and being able to see your full potential. Because oftentimes people don't get on the other side of fear or the obstacles because, you know, they're nervous, they're insecure, they're not, they're unsure. So everyone can be a ninja as a play off of that. Um, and that you can be a ninja in life. You may not be a ninja on the course, but you definitely can be a ninja warrior in life. I love that. Awesome, getting man. to the buzzer. Yeah. On the other side the of buzzer. fear is oftentimes yeah. growth. I love it. Yep. Um, Rich, anything else for Akbar? Before no, we man. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. Like yeah. I said, just been a big fan and uh, I've always, you know, I've been watching your work. That's why I was super excited to meet you and connect you. And thank you for coming over here. Um, Ali, I don't, I don't know if I told you, but he said some really nice things about our conversation with Jason Collins. That was really, really, oh. that was really fun when we, when we met. And I was like, yes, uh, that, that, that was cool. So um, can, can I just say, fan. can I just say something? Can I, can yeah, I say something with I'm a big fan of you. I'm a big fan of you guys. And I want to say I appreciate you guys and the conversation you have. But going back to that Jason conversation, it was one, I'm sure you got a lot of heat from other people, but it reminded me so much, Ali, what I said to him. It reminded me so much of the conversations that I had in the locker room. And I'll, and I'll say this one because it's really important because I hate the way the world is going now when it comes to having authentic conversations. And who knows, I might get canceled after this, but I'll say it anyways. When I was growing up, I grew up in an all black neighborhood, you know, um, predominantly at the time. And, you know, there were some Hispanics in, in my neighborhood, but predominantly um, in a black neighborhood. I never had white friends growing up ever. And it wasn't until I got to San Diego State where I had my, my, my white teammates and who would then become white friends, right? I never had that experience. I had so many ignorances about my white counterparts. 
that I just thought, hey, this is what I saw on TV. This is this must be what it is. And some of these things were just coming out of my mouth and some was joking. Some was just, oh, I actually thought that. But the same in turn happened to me. But before we started getting into this labelization culture where we just had to label everybody, you got to label them now and stomp the conversation, we went back and forth and we corrected each other. Like, no, I don't believe that. No, I don't think that. No, no, no. And before you know it, you had guys who were came from, I mean, gangbanging, guys who came from racist neighborhoods who would end up becoming friends. But that was because we had five years to grow together and we had real dialogue, real conversation, tough conversations. But now none of that happens. And so even when you're talking about your understanding and that time with you guys and Jason about, you know, the LGBTQ community and learning about that and what that meant, I'm like, this is powerful. The worst thing that could ever happen is to be silent out of fear that you're going to lose everything because that same silence that is happening is starting to breed all of this other stuff. And I see it around me. I'm going, man, and I find myself sometimes like I sometimes don't feel safe having conversations because I'm like, I have a lot to lose. So I might as well just put on a smile. Hey, and echo the same things you might hear other people say. But inside you have feelings that you said, I I don't know if I should or should not, or I need more understanding, but who do I go to? Because they're going to say X, Y, and Z. And what you, what Richard, what you and Jason, what you guys displayed there, I was like, that's what it's supposed to look like. And you can agree to disagree and still be friends and not have to worry about being labeled as such. So anyways, that was one of the most powerful things I'd ever seen on TV. You can stay, you can stay on a soapbox around here as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Well, yeah. Opera, so, because you yeah. understand television and a 60 minute show is really only 44 minutes of content. We wish we could have put yep. more out because it was, yep. it was incredible conversation. Uh, Jason, his honesty, his openness, obviously in the comfort with rich. I mean, it was, it was such an awesome from someone like myself who was just the host and, and wanted to navigate and just allow the conversation to flow. I was literally sitting there in awe as well. So yeah. um, everything you said, I know you just mentioned, we don't want to echo, but I am echoing that because you were right on. Spot on. Yeah. So I appreciate no, I your appreciate thoughts it. there. Come back on in the playoffs. Come back on in the playoffs when basketball gets yeah. real. <laughs> when basketball gets real. When like basketball that. gets right. real. When we actually start working. Uh, I do want to send along to you, Akbar, before we let you go. Channing did apologize. He's apologized a couple times. And, and like your show, American Ninja Warrior, I could only imagine the obstacle going on outside of his house. Um, he's <laughs> yeah, probably well a ninja bone as we speak. So, yeah. Well done. Akbar, we appreciate you. It's another additional. All right, thank you guys so much. <laughs>